The metaverse is emerging as the next big technology platform and promises to be the next frontier for human experiences on the internet. Into the Metaverse covers companies, technologies, and trends that are bringing these promises to life. Join creator and host Jonathan Ross Friedman, founder and CEO of SuperSocial, as he interviews the brilliant minds that are building, shaping, and investing in the Metaverse. Welcome to Into the Metaverse. I'm Jan, and joining me today is Frederic Chesney, founder and CEO of Crypto Blockchain Industries. Fred has decades of experience in executive production, budgeting, financing, and management of intellectual property rights from 2001 to 2007, and then again from 2013 to 2021. Fred was part of the management team of the Atari Group, the iconic technology and entertainment company. In 2007, he left Atari to create his own executive production company, I2G, which he then sold in 2012. Fred is the founder, chairman, and CEO of Crypto Blockchain Industries, a company listed on the Euronext, and is focusing on investments in blockchain and technology. Fred, delighted to welcome you to Into the Metaverse. Likewise. Thanks for the invite. Pleasure to be here. So let's start with how do you and your company define the metaverse today, and how does blockchain ties in? Yeah, sure. So <clears throat> thanks for giving us some background on what I've done. It's true that even if initially in the mid-90s, I was an investor in tech and video games. I started in there around the mid-90s. Most of the last 20 years of my professional life has been spent with video games. So first and foremost, for me and for this company that I've created, the metaverse is a video game. It's an open world. And then on top of that open world, you have a blockchain layer, right? But first and foremost, the way we approach the metaverse it's, a, it's an open world, a 3D digital world. Some may say, you know what, you can have a metaverse in 2D, but as far as we are concerned, and given my background, I do focus on the consumer experience. So for me, it's definitely a 3D uh, open world, a free-to-play game. And then you add on top of that, you have the blockchain layer for certain transactions. So there has been, and we're going to talk more about your company, but... There has been so much confusion over the past 24 months, right? Since the metaverse started to pick up and blockchain started to pick up, especially with NFTs. And there's so much confusion between, wait, 3D world, how does digital rights come in? What is the role of NFTs? A lot of people now call the metaverse, it's dead because NFT go down. And we started the year with everyone claiming the metaverse is dead. And I thought it's interesting because the metaverse didn't even start. How can it be dead? Uh, and I'm very much subscribing to the worldview of virtual world in 3D, you know, not just with the way we think about it on the podcast, but also with my company that builds virtual experiences on platforms like Roblox. And so I very much subscribe to the worldview, but I'd love you to really unpack a bit. What is the importance you believe of blockchain technology and those digital rights that are powered by blockchain capabilities that is so fundamental to the emergence of a metaverse? <clears throat> to answer the question, I think you <coughs> first you need to have a couple of breaks explained. So first, you know, what you were just saying about, oh, it's dead. It has not even started. You know, we've seen that in the late 90s with the Internet because all of a sudden the market went through the roof and then crashed in March of 2020. Everyone was saying, oh, the Internet is dead. Forget about it. I'm not saying that this is going to happen again. I do believe. But it sounds for me a little bit like a deja vu, which is, okay, <laughs> blockchain is here. And trust me, as far as I'm concerned, I believe it's not going to disappear anytime soon. It's here already everywhere. So 
that's just for the context. I think if you want to understand the metaverse and what it is, and it's true that the term has been used so many times in so many different situations, also with sometimes a purpose to say it's great, it's bad, it's good to raise money, it's great to sell NFTs. So I think people have tended or did tend to overreact also on the on some market prices for the Bitcoin. It's easier to sell the Bitcoin when Bitcoin trades at sixty thousand dollars than it is to sell Bitcoin when Bitcoin trades at twenty thousand dollars. But you should be buying Bitcoin at twenty thousand and not at sixty. So you have all these I call it folklore, but you have all these mess around the communication around blockchain. So you have to basically leave that aside. That's the background noise, I call it. So why is it important, 2D or 3D? For me, there are two main reasons. The first one is ownership. What I mean by this is if today you take a video game, if you take a piece of digital asset, a photo, a song, basically any file, right? If you create something, it's very difficult to prove that you own it. If you, in a video game, an application where you create a photo, it's very difficult to prove that you own it. And it's very difficult to prove that not only you own it, but yours is unique, or at least you know how many units there are out there. So that sense of ownership, accountability is critical. Most of the ownership today, and I'm talking about the economic aspect, most of the ownership today is in the digital value or in the digital file. Back in the day, you would own the photo because you have the original of the photo, it's yours because there's only one photo. Today it's over. It's because you own the digital right, because you have the digital file that you own the photo. Let me just give you a better example. If you take a ticket today, if you wanna go to a sports event, if you show up with a paper ticket, you're not gonna enter. Maybe still in some venues, but if you have to shop with the digital version, which is, which you can trace on your phone, and we've seen like with the fiasco in 2022 of the, of the Champions League final in Paris, where basically everyone realized that people could just duplicate the paper tickets and enter the stadium because there was no way you could try track if a, a QR code had been used or not. So the, the most important thing to understand is that the digital ownership Today, today and tomorrow is going to be basically the only way for you to prove that you own something. Most of the things, not everything, because not everything can be traced on the blockchain. So that's electronically. So that's the first thing, it's ownership. With ownership comes all these things about the ledger, traceability, where it comes from, where it goes, but that's one thing, it's ownership. And the second thing, and I think this one, this factor is usually by a lot of people, is that blockchain gives today anyone on the planet the chance to access the economic system and to access a bank account. When I say bank account, it's a quote unquote. Let me explain this one. You, me, everyone listening to this podcast is basically, we don't care, right? Before we buy, before we need Ethereum to buy, you know, bread, pizza, I mean, is going to be like 10, 20, 25 years. Be- why? Because we have bank accounts, because you have a credit card, you have whatever it is, an Amex, a Visa, because you can provide PII, what we call PI, personally ident- identifiable information. You have an ID, you have, a, you have an address, so you can get a credit card, you can get a bank account because you can pass the KYC test with the banks. So you have access to the economic system. We are just 
50% of the planet on the population, yet the other half will never have access to a bank account. Just hear me out. Never. Why? Because they just can't pass the KYC test imposed by the bank. They have no address or they have no ID or it's impossible. So for them, blockchain, crypto, I mean, the currency, Bitcoin, Ethereum, it's also a way to basically enter the economic world. So you're going to have 50% of the planet that is going to be in one way or another in a world or in an economy that is functioning with blockchain. Why? Because we can pay them and they can make money. That's super important. If you don't get it, if you are not convinced by this, yes, clearly you can say that, and you should say the metaverse is going to fail. For, forget Spielberg for a second. I'm talking about being able to work, to have some job online, and then being able to receive some money. I cannot pay today. I have businesses in Congo. I can't send money to Congo. It's going to take me 72 hours, and potentially the wire is never going to be made. So today I can work with studios in Pakistan. So you have a lot of people coming onto the economy just because now we can get access to a banking system, which is basically, it's not because you are using a wallet that you basically, your tax, uh, you're doing some tax evasion, that you're money laundering. No, <laughs> you have 50% of the planet, of the people on the planet do not have access I have to a simple bank account. And I this a, is changing. That's and, it. I, and I have a question about that. And I'm not even getting to the potential complexities of, okay, how do we manage those? How do we manage access to capital and the ability to get paid and wire money, et cetera, in, in a way that is trusted and safe and so on and so forth? I don't want to get into that, but I, have, I, have, I do have a question. You're right. I think you're stating something that is pretty correct, which is about half of the world population don't have access to the same economic system and, economic inst and financial institutions and tools that people who live in Paris and people like me who live in the United States have access to. I 100% agree with that. My question is, what happens next if the other one half of the world population has the need for an economic system powered by blockchain, while the other half of the world is people like us who, for them, it's more of a nice to have. It's not a necessity because we do have access to an economic system and a financial institution. Where is that bridge and how do we make sure that bridge actually makes sense and it powers a next generation internet? That's something that I'm curious about to hear from you on your take, because if there is one half with one economic system and one half for them, the economic system of the other half is optional or nice to have, how do the two connect at the end of the day? No, they do connect through, in fact, as far as we are concerned, we, are concerned, we have access to both systems. So you can take Bitcoin, you can sell it, you can have it onto your bank account, For sure. vice versa. You take money and you have Bitcoin all of a sudden on your, in your wallet. So I think we basically, because we have access to both systems, we are the bridge. But the most important thing is that basically what you're going to have, you're going to have a system which is going to cater and to attend 100% of the planet of the population. That's a blockchain system. And then you're going to have another system which is going to be bank-based bank system, which will be only for the purpose for the persons, the individuals, or the entities that do pass the KYC test. So at the end of the day, the growth for the next 20, 25, 50, 30 years is going to come from the other half of the population that is basically going to access the economic system, I mean, in, in a major part. So let me just give you an example. Today, and this is something I would not... <laughs> 
it, which would have been impossible 10 years ago. Today, I'm working with a studio, a studio out of Pakistan. It's impossible. It would have been impossible otherwise. Just to send them money. I'm not even talking about signing a contract. I'm just sending the money. Parsi, Kinshasa, Congo. Yeah, you, today you can work with them. You can send money. So there's been just the beginning of a very significant integration. The drawback for us is that it also means that you're going to see a lot of jobs and a lot of activities and a lot of services. But, you know, if you look at the call centers, they went from Europe to North Africa because we had some form of integration of the banking system, of the banking system. you could pay them, right? But today you're going to see a lot of jobs, a lot of services that are just going to be not exported, but are going to be performed by people outside, the, outside Europe. Definitely. It's, I'm not talking call centers because that's a simple one. Look at the, today the accounting of all the major banks in France. I was just chatting about, one, uh, about that with one friend. Most of the accounting of the big, a big insurance company in France is done in India. Hmm. Okay, India has a long history, right? And it's different systems. Here I'm talking, not even talking India. I'm talking about countries like in Africa. We, today you have what? You have 1 billion people south of the Sahara. I think that the stat is 2050, it's 2 billion and 4 billion by the end of the century. So Africa is to, be, is to represent one third of the world population. And a, very young, and a very young population as well, the future workforce. And so I think for them, blockchain, so back to your question was, why is the metaverse an opportunity? I'm not even saying why is, is the metaverse going to win, but why is it an opportunity? It's because of A, the ownership, and B, because all of a sudden, we give access to the economy, a, world, a, a significant portion of the world economy to the other half of the population. It's not going to solve everything and not like, oh, just wait and with blockchain, everything's going to be fine. So the, the key three things I'm hearing, and I'd love to switch gears to talk a bit more about CBI and especially curious about the Alphaverse. The three key things I'm hearing is really that the transition of the internet to a 3D environment, not everything, but a big part of that. We're talking about ownership, powered by blockchain, and we're talking about a evolution of the economic system globally because of access to actual economic and financial tools by half of the population who today is disconnected from, let's call it the Western world, the developed economies that already have advanced, sophisticated financial institutions and financial yeah. tools. So I'd love to switch gears with that. Let's talk a bit about CBI, the vision, the mission of the overall organization, and then specifically... I'd love to hear more details on what is Alphaverse. But let's start with CBI story. Yeah. So, <clears throat> as you've said, I have owned and I have sold Atari twice. <laughs> Last time was two years ago. It's, so, I come from this background, open worlds, free-to-play worlds. I've done also a lot of survival games, online games, zombie games. <clears throat> so, for me, what I wanted to do with CBI when I left and when I sold Atari was to create basically these virtual worlds which would be open, which would be basically also optional in terms of use of fiat or cryptocurrency. So we always, as soon as possible, and as long as possible, we, if you want to buy something, you always have the option, the credit card or the crypto. It's very simple. You just, for instance, you just offer the opportunity to buy a token in fiat, and then all of a sudden you have access to this world. So what we're doing is we're doing a huge world, there's a, it's called Alphaverse, Alpha for number one in Greek, because we want to be basically the entry point 
to the metaverse. If you think about the metaverse, what's going on, we want people just to come to Alphaverse and then find everything they want to know about the metaverses. And then from this hub, we connect as many universes as possible. Some universes we develop ourselves, the ones we know, the ones <clears throat> for which we have some good uh, knowledge, some expertise. So I've been the executive producer for Rollercoaster Tycoon for close to what, 20 years. <laughs> so yes, there will be a game about roller coasters. There's another world about music. We have a license from the, he had all the photos of the rappers of the nineties. We have another world about music with David Guetta. We have another world about football because I, I have a lot of connections in the space. So we create digital worlds for football clubs. I mean, European soccer, right? And we also, so not only we connect the world that we develop ourselves, right? So, and here we have a focus on what we know I mean, what we think we know, but also, and that's because I didn't really, I didn't want to make a bet or on, okay, let's do this because this is the way the metaverse is going to be in the next 20 years. So the whole DNA of the project was also to connect third party worlds. So if today someone is listening and is working on a, a, a world, a metaverse, a game and experience, we can definitely connect. Think you think the ditch, ditch satellite TV, right? We, that metaverse developed by a third party can be another channel that we offer. So it's all, our DNA is really to connect as many universes as possible. And the business model is very simple. We basically offer revenue share, but I believe that's because of our DNA. We want to connect as many worlds as possible. So that's one thing. And the second thing is in terms of experience, I think today all the metaverses are lacking in terms of experience. You know, what's the consumer experience? It's still very poor. I believe that, and my conviction is that the, these metaverses will rely more and more on uh, audiovisual content. So we let players, we let users upload content as long as it is on Twitch or YouTube. Uh, so I'm just going to give you like two examples. If we have a world about music, so if you are a musician, if you're an upcoming artist, you just have to upload your work and what you've done on YouTube. You can come into Alphaverse. We'll give you a space. We'll give you a digital house in the district dedicated to music. So you'll be able to showcase what you are, you know, singing, playing. You'll also be able to show, to showcase or to have a small slide uh, saying, hey, I need to raise money for my next album. What, who wants to be in? So you'll be able to create your community like this. If you're a photograph, same thing. If you have, if you have a, if you're a startup, there's a district dedicated to ventures, right? So you can basically take a house, a big space, and you can just showcase what the project is. You just play your slides. And after that, you try to raise the money. So it's all about the visual content. Of course, there's chatting system and everything, but it's, that's one example. And the other example, for instance, is in the football for the football club. So we create digital worlds. Let's say take a club. I don't want to, to give a name because we are listed a public company and some of the names are confidential, but take a club, let's say from London. So we create a digital world, which basically looks like London. We replicate the stadium. If you own this digital seat in the stadium, you can upload your photo on your seat. So the goal is to fill up the stadium, but then because you own a seat, we're going to give you access to some never seen before content that we get from the club. It's part of the deal we have with the clubs. So you can have access to the video feed in the tunnel before the P before the game. You can have access to pre-game interviews, post-game interviews. 
So we regulate that with through the ownership of the basically the season pass on the blockchain, and you can resell your passes if you want. And there's a lot of stuff like this, but these are things that you cannot really do. You can do them outside of the blockchain, but it's more difficult. There is less security. And at the end of the day, it's not as fast as it is on the blockchain. So the sense of ownership, the sense of engagement is much, much higher on the blockchain. So a question I have is, again, I'll just for a reference, you know, my company, we build today 100% of our games and experiences on Roblox platform, right? It's not blockchain connected. It's a very closed platform. And it's very much about gaming and entertainment, right? There is a lot of interactive experiences, incredible level of engagement, younger audiences. On the other side, while I know we're at very early stages of the evolution of blockchain-related virtual worlds and virtual spaces and platforms, last week we had the Fashion Week with a big event inside the Central End. Uh, for those who don't know, the central end, it's an open source, essentially a 3D environment where anyone can come and build something relatively simple. There were some of the world's largest brands in fashion in that fashion week, which was really impressive. I have to say, having said that there were very few people. And I think my interpretation is part of the reason there were very few people is because there was not much to do, right? There was a lot of brands, people walking around. There was a quote unquote fashion week, but the reason there wasn't really engagement, interaction, play experiences. And I think when we started a conversation, you defined the metaverse to some extent as a large open world video game. What is the role that play and game gameplay interaction is going to play in your mind in building something with Alphaverse that people not only going to come and visit because they own a seat in a stadium, but also, and as the most important thing in any virtual experience, are going to be engaged and retained, meaning they keep coming back and back and back again versus something that is purely transactional because you have a seat and you want to sell the seat and then you make some money and you walk away. What is yeah. your vision of how to make Alphaverse or yeah. the experiences inside Alphaverse sticky and really showing engagement? So first and foremost, just I'm going to answer, but... That question is more, you know, for entertaining entertainment, right? You will see a lot of metaverses that are just purely with industrial features, right? You have finance today, you know, I don't understand. I mean, no, I know why. Today it takes three days to settle a trade, right? When you buy a share on the market, it's going to take three days to settle a share, right? To settle the trade. This is just not acceptable. And you know where the three day comes, right? It's because... Back to the 19th century in the U.S., where three days was basically the time it would take for a first-class courier to be delivered. So it has nothing to do with technical limitations. So you're going to see a lot of engagement and a lot, a lot of use cases or you can see already on the blockchain for finance. So <clears throat> or over industrial activities using the blockchain. So that's why first and foremost, I just want to say you already have a lot of engagement in some metaverses, okay, finance pure tech that's already here so as far as the world video games interactive experience in 3d are concerned there is not a lot of experience of engagement just because the experience is not good enough for the moment i don't care personally and 
around the company doing a metaverse. I don't care about going into a 3D world just to see something which is basically, you know, okay, I've seen the video for 10 seconds. I can see the same video on, on Instagram or somewhere else on TikTok. I'm, why do I need to go to on, in the metaverse? There's no point. I can see I have a better experience somewhere else. Okay. So short answer is why, I mean, to the question, why is the level of attendance and the level of engagement so low? It's just because the experience is so bad. So it is our job, and that's really the challenge for our company, to deliver a much better experience and, more importantly, to convince people that if they come in the metaverse, so if they use the blockchain, they will have a much better experience, something that an off-chain world will never be able to offer. That's the only condition. High quality experience, and again, a solid use of the blockchain. I see a lot of blockchain projects, and they are trying to pitch me, hey, would you like to invest, blah, blah, blah. Hey, oh, by the way, I have a token. Would you like to buy the, some tokens? I'm like, why are you issuing a token? Even us, we know it's something we're challenging every day. But you see a lot of projects just issuing a token, but there's no need for a token. So some people say we're on the metaverse, but frankly, there's no use for the metaverse. You have a much better experience of chain. Okay. So the metaverse is going to succeed because the experience is of high quality and because the blockchain D does bring something that an option experience cannot offer. And that experience on the blockchain is very important for the satisfaction of the user. The sense of ownership, being able to play a game to build an asset in the game. I'm just talking about the, the video game business, being able to build an asset in the game, being able to use that asset in other metaverses, being able to sell that asset peer to peer. That's the type of experience that the metaverse can bring. Okay. But you were taking the example of the fashion week. Okay. I can watch the fashion week on TV, on YouTube. And what is the experience in the center and going to bring to me? With that respect, if, unless there's something very specific on the blockchain, there's no surprise that no one showed up because they have a much better quality outside of the metaverse. That's all. As simple as that. So let's, switch gears, let's switch gears and talk about what you're seeing today, given your extensive experience with Atari and even before. Let's use the... I want to use the history of how you've seen the evolution of gaming and interactive entertainment and what can we learn or what are you learning from your past experience with Atari and your other companies and how both gaming and the internet has evolved and what are some of the lessons learned and inspiration you're taking from your more than 20, 25 years of experience into this new era of what the internet is evolving into and how are you deploying those lessons learned into building the Alphaverse and CBI? I think there are three phases in the gaming uh, video game business or industry. One, the first one was until like the early, yeah, early 2000, 2000, 2005, where basically we were selling boxes, finished experience. You had to pay and basically what 5% of the players would ever go to the end of the game. Right. <laughs> I think it was not even 5%. It's just like we were doing the motion pictures and basically 5% of our audience would ever watch the movie until the end. 
we had to pay for everything, develop the game until the end. Then came the free-to-play system. And especially with the mobile, it was very interesting because not only we were not getting money up front because it was free-to-play, but at the same time, we didn't have to develop the full game. We would be in a position where we would develop, let's say, the first 10 levels of a game. I'm just oversimplifying. And then if the game did not perform, we would just basically can it and say, okay, too bad. Let's keep the dog and let's move on to something else. Or we would just say, oh, wow, it's working. So now we have to scramble to release level 11 to 20. So it was initially people used to pay. Then it was free to play. And I think today it's really play to earn. And this is not a joke. I think today you have a lot of people making money in the playing video game or being in that industry. Look, if I want to, if I want to write, to read a book, I don't know how to write a book, right? I just, I'm, I just buy why. So I give money to the guy who is writing the book. It's the same in video games. I want to play with my friends. I don't have the time. My fr my friends that are level 40. I don't have the expertise, or I don't have the time to go to level 40, so I'm just going to buy some, an avatar from someone who has played the game to level 40, and then I'll be able to play with my friends. So I'm paying for that service. And it's not as stupid as just buying a game. It's the same type of experience. So I think today it's play to earn. What I mean is that you need to have a lot of ways for people to be engaged and also to work or slightly make some living in, in the video games. And so that's the first, for me, the first element. And the second element is that you need gamification is basically everywhere today. You, even in the insurance business, right? Come back to the websites, do your daily checks, do your daily activities. And we basically are going to give you a discount on your, on your premium, the premium that you pay for your policy. So it's, for me, it's really, before it was the players would pay. Then we had that free-to-play moment, and now people want to make money by creating stuff, creating assets, being able to keep them, to resell them. And people want to make money, to have a living. And I think this is really the next level for me. So let me unpack that. I think one thing you said, which I definitely subscribe to, is people creating assets and creating things that are being used in a game. Let's call it a more economically compelling environment for people to monetize content they create, right? A better, better UGC, better user generated content that people can actually monetize and make a living of. I totally subscribe to that. I think we've started to see that at pretty large scale in places like Minecraft and obviously Roblox became so much more than UGC. Now it's almost like a, I call it DGC. It's developer generated content. And you have Fortnite, which still has a lot of user generated content with skins, et cetera, et cetera. So I, I definitely get that. What I want to understand is when you talk about play to earn, what we've seen, and I'm just using what we've seen before over the last, you know, in, during 2021, 2022, with games like Axie Infinity, et cetera, et cetera, we saw people, players, playing the game to unlock economic rewards that they can then own assets and sell those assets and I think what ultimately happened, at least in the case of Axie Infinity, there was an inflationary economy where users essentially came in just to make money and sell their assets and then walk away and leave the bag to people who come later. Now, obviously, there are a lot of deficiencies in that economic model and the game economy from Axie Infinity. But 
what I'm still struggling, and I'd love to understand how you envision that playing out in a play-to-earn mechanic, I'd love to unpack how you envision, do you really think that a major part of people who play games would want to play games in order to reap those economic rewards? Or do you think that, sure, it's a use case, but it may end up being a relatively niche group of people out of the majority the massive several billion people who play video games today? I think it's not a niche. I think it's going, so back to what I was saying at the beginning about half of the population coming online. Back to the, look, back to the example of a book. I want to read a book. I don't know to do it. I don't know to write a book. I'm buying a book. I want to play a video game again. Let me go deeper with the example. I want to keep playing a certain video game. I'm a student. I have started to work. My friends are still not working, so we have more time. I want to keep work playing with them because I like playing because it's part of, you know, it's part of my life. So I just need my friends again. We are level 40. It's a new game. I don't have the time to go to level 40, but I think I can handle level 40. I just need someone to basically help me go to level 40. Just like I don't know to write a book, so I buy a book. I don't know. I don't have the time. Well, I don't have the time to write the book. I don't have the time to bring the avatar to level 40. I'm just paying somebody or I'm just buying one avatar from someone who is offering that service. It's great. It's the same thing as buying a book, right? And I think that you're going to see a lot, a lot of these new services. And who is going to bring the avatar to level 39? Going to be the guys with today thanks to the blockchain, have access to these games and to, to the blockchain who can be paid. There are people from Malaysia, people from Africa, they are just doing it. And it's a business. Look, 100 bucks, 200 bucks for you, for me, it's nice, but it's not going to make a huge difference. I can tell you in many countries, 250 a week makes a huge, that makes a huge difference, right? So for me, the way I see it, yes, you're going to have like people just playing the game, as always, but you're going to see a lot and lot and lot more of these services. It's part of the entertainment business, right? This is really the entertainment. It's just another form of entertainment, but I can, that's my conviction. You're going to see that type of service. There will be other types of services that will be offered. We will discover them down the road. But the fact that you have in any case, they are basically close to 90% of the population of the planet having access to internet, having access to blockchain, having access to that new economic system, that's going to trigger and to open a to trigger some opportunities or to open a lot of doors. So that's the way I see it is really, you're going to see more and more. It should not be play to earn because to your point, you think, oh, Axie Infinity and then the thing crashed, right? But it did crash because they did not manage properly. They were, I think, overwhelmed by the thing, right? They basically, it was an inflation. They could not control, just like you have Argentina, Venezuela, they could not control their inflation. Same thing. They had an economy, they could not control the, the inflation in the game. But this is just one example. You'll see more and more in games, you'll see more and more situations where people create assets, they, or they do testing or some testing, or they do some translations and they get paid and they get rewards. And I think this is going to be a very significant economy down the road. It's not a niche. It's not a niche. I totally subscribe to that. I think where I'm a bit more skeptic and I appreciate your conviction. And I think that's what makes entrepreneurs, right? They operate with a sense of conviction. I, I do 
I am a bit more skeptic on the one of the use cases you mentioned where someone would want to get to level 40 and they will basically hire or contract or rent the capability mm -hmm. or an avatar from someone else in order to get to that level 40. I understand yeah, the yeah, use case. That's a huge business today. You can buy avatars in any game. It's a huge business. If you want to play Fortnite, you can buy an avatar. No, for sure. But I'm just saying what I subscribe more to is there is a whole, what I do agree with, and I think is an amazing point is I think there is a whole population around the world that is going to join the creation of assets and content to populate this massive thing that is going to be the metaverse. And they will need to access economic systems and tools that today they are locked out of. And that's where blockchain comes in. And so I can see how the dots can connect between human capabilities that build content and drive the value of virtual assets and virtual worlds that are then powered by economic tools and systems that are today only available for half of the world. Yeah. I have some friends in Venezuela. I can tell you how many times they've told me, look, we should have bought Bitcoin instead of trusting the Bolivar, the local currency. It's very important to basically to acknowledge the fact that 50 percent of the planet is underserved in terms of banking systems. I'm not saying they don't have money. I'm not saying they are cheating on taxes. I'm not saying that they are money laundering money. They just don't have access because the rules are made so that they cannot have access today and they will never be able to have access because they don't have an ID and they don't have an address. So it's very sad, but that's the beauty, at least, of the blockchain system and Bitcoin and at least Bitcoin as a currency is that now these guys, these, these families, women, they can have access to something which is stable and on top of it, which is not sub subject to state appropriation, you know, overnight. Because it is in your wallet, it's much easier to hide than just to, to put under your mattress or to put that in the bank which is going to fail. You know, today in Africa, there's no bank. The banks are the telcos. The, only the telco companies, they, they run the economy, right? So I think that's really the conviction. If it's true that I think, personally, I think that a lot of people tend to overlook that opportunity. It's not normal to use the Western Union to send money from Europe to Africa and to have to pay 8% and have to wait 72 hours. Just forget it. It just doesn't make any sense. I have one last question. What's the one thing you want the listeners to take away from our conversation today? I think you should get rid of the background noise, right? Don't look at, okay, don't look at crypto, the price of crypto going up, going down. The days where, you know, I have a billion tokens in my wallet and basically if the token goes to $1, then I'm a billionaire, all these things, just forget about it. Just look at blockchain. Make your own conviction. Is this something already happening? Is this something that is growing? Is this something that is going to hit the wall? But have a look at blockchain, right? And then make your own judgment, make your own opinion. And then based on that, decide if you want to be part of that or if you're just like, okay, forget about it. This is just a fashion thing. Tone down the background noise, lower the volume on that one, on that channel, and then just look at blockchain. Don't look at crypto. Don't look at stock prices of a Dogecoin or all these things because they will be successful only if there's a business case and only if there's an application behind it. So look at the blockchain and look at the application, form your own view. All right, Fred, this is going to be a great episode to look back at five, 10 years from now. So thanks yeah, for taking the time and <laughs> it's been a great conversation. 
Likewise, thank you so much for the opportunity. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Into the Metaverse. We hope you learned a lot and explored new aspects of the metaverse. 